Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where you'll hear right from the source how people like you have been able to buy and build their businesses across different industries all over the country. Dan Claps is the co-founder of Career Transition Leads, Nurture Assist, and Find a Business Online. Christian Dadalak is a franchise consultant with Find a Business Online, and he heads up business development for Career Transition Leads and Nurture Assist. He also runs an independent franchise consulting business, The Franchise Guys. Together, they formed relationships with hundreds of successful business owners who are excited to share their stories with you. Now, here are your hosts, Dan and Christian. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. We're really excited to have you all here today. Uh, obviously, my name's Christian with my co-host here, Dan Claps. And uh, today, we have a phenomenal guest with us today, uh, Andy Klee of Franchise Development Group. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christian. I'm excited to be here. Love it. Well, so Andy, I always like to ask this of, of our guests. I think it's very, I always like to say this on, on just about every episode, I think at this point, uh, how did you get into franchising? I think mostly for me, for a lot of people, it's where you didn't find franchising, franchising kind of found you, or at least that's the case for me and many others. So how did that happen for you? What was, what was the case there? Yeah. So, uh, accidentally, kind of like you said, um, I, Graduated college back in '93 with a degree, with a uh, B average, you know, being generous, calling it a B average, and uh, a degree in business management, and uh, thinking I was gonna, you know, take over some Fortune 500 uh, company. There didn't turn out that way. It turned out my job was managing a McDonald's in uh, outside of Binghamton, New York, and it was really my first kind of foray into the franchise world. And, you know, seeing the, the incredible de- attention to detail and the systems and the structure that they had in place, I guess being, you know, being 22 at the time, I just thought that's how all businesses ran. And, you know, that eventually led on to uh, being a training manager with Burger King. From there, I went to, uh, to grad school down in North Carolina. And while I was working on my MBA, I uh, became um, a food service director for a con- convenience store chain. We operated several subways, a Baskin Robbins, a couple of proprietary concepts. So again, very much accidentally getting into into the franchise world to begin with. That, that's so interesting. I think that's the case for many people. So uh, that that's very interesting. So what about what really intrigued you about the franchise model? Obviously, it's very easy to go into a franchise and think, yeah, all businesses are run this way, but they're absolutely not. Yeah. So, you know, there's two pieces, I think, to, to me. First of all, I love the, the, the structure and the process and the, the concept of taking something and being able to, to replicate it and follow a system. I think that's just sort of the analytical part of my brain that loves that. And then the other side is just I've always just kind of enjoyed the teamwork piece of it. You know, see, seeing this entity grow and, and, and playing a part in it, it's just always been something I've, I've kind of enjoyed. Absolutely. I mean, it, that really is. I think a lot of people, if they're looking from the outside in the franchise model, you know, it's a business and, and it's structured in a certain way and you pay a royalty and this and that. But I don't think people really appreciate a lot of the time coming from the outside, how truly efficiently and, and, and the value of a system that's in place especially if they've never been in business for themselves before. I think that it's very easy to think every business is run very well and it's structured and the culture is great. And, but that's definitely not always the case. And that's why I'm a huge believer in the franchise model myself. Yeah, absolutely. Once, once somebody has proven out something that works, it's so much easier. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You, you, you execute uh, a proven system and your odds of success are, are higher because of it. 
that's why I like the franchise model. I get to rip off people that are smarter than me and just borrow their business model. And all I have to do is pay them a small fee. I'm in. <laughs> that's exactly right. I may not have a lot of original ideas, but if you've got a good idea, uh, I know how to run with it. <laughs> exactly. I love that, man. So um, why, why don't we dive into a little bit about what exactly it is that you do at Franchise Development Group? Would love to hear more about that and the process that you lead people through because you, you help people franchise their business, right? That's exactly right. We work with those, you know, that great local service business or restaurant or whatever the case may be that wants to expand and we take them through that franchise process. Um, just a little bit about us. We're based out of Buffalo, New York. Um, we've been doing this for two, since 2002. So we're, this is our 20th year now. Um, and we work all over the country. We've helped launch about 150 franchise concepts. Our little bit of notoriety for anybody that watches Shark Tank. Um, we've done all Barbara Corcoran's work for 10 years now. Um, Cousins Maine Lobster and uh, Tom and She were two of her big concepts. Uh, we did one called Wicked Good Cupcakes for Kevin O'Leary that was eventually acquired by uh, Hickory Farms, actually just, I think about six months ago now. So we work with some pretty cool concepts. Um, but like I said, all we do is work with businesses and take them through that franchise process. And there's, there's really four distinct pieces to it. The first thing is meeting all the regulatory um, issues and that uh, that are govern franchising. So it's the Federal the Trade stuff. Commission. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, the, the, so the Federal Trade Commission oversees franchising on the national level, and they require what's called a franchise disclosure document. It's about a 200-page document, and it, and it breaks down into two sections. The first section is all the disclosures, there's 23 of them. And it's everything you'd wanna know if you were gonna buy a franchise from someone. You know, what kind of support are you gonna get? What kind of fees are they gonna charge you? Are you gonna get a protected territory? How's that gonna be determined? What's the total investment gonna look like? Things like that. So, you know, our clients work directly with me on, on getting everything laid out from a business standpoint. And then once we figured it out from a business standpoint, that, that's the point when we hand it over to an attorney, um, so named Mary Beth Gettins that does virtually all of our work. And she actually writes that document to make sure we're following those Federal Trade Commission and state regulations properly. Um, the franchise agreement itself is also part of that FDD. And that's, you know, typically speaking, you're, you're usually looking at a 10-year agreement. Uh, most of our clients charge a franchise fee anywhere from, you know, 35000 on the low end up to about 75000 up front. And then it spells out the royalties that they're collecting, you know, either weekly or monthly. And they range anywhere usually from about 4 to 8% also lays out the advertising fees and all those other you know, pieces. So that's kind of phase one is completing that disclosure document. Once that's done, we've got 25 states that you're kind of good to go in. Um, and there's another 25 that have either what's called a filing or a registration. Filing states are really simple. Texas, for example, it's a one page application. You can complete it in under five minutes. They charge 25 bucks and you're good to go. Uh, states like New York, California, Illinois, of course, they don't work that way. They, they have what's called a full-blown uh, franchise registration. In those cases, like here in New York, for example, you send that disclosure in with some certifications, uh, check for $750 as opposed to $25, and someone in the Attorney General's office will actually review that and usually make some comments. And it can be a, a two, three-month process to get approved. So, so again, that's phase one is getting kind of the, the regulatory issues out of the way. The second thing we work with people on is the other requirement the Federal Trade Commission has is that you have to provide an operations manual to your franchisees. And the reason behind that is ultimately what a franchise is, you're buying two things, or not you're not buying them, you're kind of borrowing two things, a system and a name. 
So the, the ops manual is what lays out that system. And it, it's everything, typically speaking, from how do you find the right location to how do you set up your accounting properly into if there's an actual build out of the location, getting the staff properly trained, getting your supplies in, following things like recipes and formulas and procedures, marketing, all those ins and outs of running the business. Uh, so we have a lady in our Miami office that just writes manuals all day long. Um, she's done probably 75 of them herself. Uh, God bless her because it's, you know, these are probably 300 pages on average of, of kind of technical writing. So it's maybe not the most uh, fun or glamorous part of the, the job, but, but it's, a, it's a must do to, to have a good system. So those are the two requirements from the FTC. Third thing we usually work with people on is putting together a sales and marketing plan, because obviously if you don't have a way to go out and sell these franchises, you've got some nice documents and that's about it. So that plan, you know, it really depends a lot on, on what our clients' goals are. If they're trying to grow some units you know, on a local or regional basis, or if they're open to more of a national expansion plan, and um, then, then that can be a mix of everything from working with, you know, the, the, the broker networks like IFPG to uh, social media, um, internet advertising, sometimes public relations, uh, sometimes print, just wh whatever the case is based on their goals. We put those plans together as well. And it's usually about a three month process to do those three things. Um, beyond that, phase four is really, we look at that as, as that's the transitioning into becoming a franchisor. And, and we work with our clients on that as well and helping all those things that come up. If you're, you know, you're based in Philadelphia, but you just sold a franchise in Dallas, you need to know who the right real estate agent is. We know that person. Or if you need to look at, you know, co-packers or PR firms or advice just dealing with a, a challenging franchisee or getting those first few sales closed there to kind of support those things as well so that's a tremendous amount of value obviously I mean, that's a lot of stuff yeah, yes. i'm sure i'm sure some people that are listening to the podcast that are like yeah i want to franchise my business but i didn't realize it entailed all that much that's why you have to talk to somebody like andy who's going to help you with a lot of that headache to get yes. it taken care of and, and there are, you know, there's several hundred little pieces in there, but none of it's overly complicated. It's just, you just have to go through the, you know, the step-by-step -step process, really. 100%. So one thing I wanted to ask about was, um, so obviously a lot of small business owners, especially if they're doing well, they have a good corporate location. They're saying, man, I really figured this thing out. I'm making a ton of money. My model is great. It's the best thing since sliced bread. Maybe the way I scale this thing is through the franchise model. But not every business should be scaled through the franchise model. Not every business is ready to be scaled through the franchise model. So can you touch on a little bit about what types of businesses already uh, how do you how do you know how do you sort and and choose the businesses that are are the right fit for for scaling through franchising? Sure. So we have kind of a checklist we work through, but you know, some one of the first things to consider is can you teach somebody else how to do this at a high level? Can they represent your brand properly the way you do, or is there something so skill specific about your you and your business that you just can't? Uh, that's usually not an issue, but you know, for some people it can be. 
we also look at the branding. You know, there, there's places as you just drive down, you know, kind of the main strip in any city that already look like a franchise that may or may not be. Those are, those are great candidates when you see that thing that's, that you already think is part of a chain and it isn't. Um, so you've got that visual appeal. And, and then the other piece that is obviously equally important is the financial piece. You, we have to look at it as if this franchisee is going to make that investment with you, are they going to see a significant return? Is it going to be worth their time? Because if it doesn't work for the franchisee, it's not going to work for you for long. So a kind of basic rule of thumb for a typical business, uh, that franchisee should be able to get at least a 15% return on their investment and be able to draw a reasonable manager's salary as well once the ramp up period has come and gone. And that, mm -hmm. can, be, you know, that can be a couple months for some businesses. It can be a year for others, just depending on the industry. And the, the final little sort of variable on that too is sort of the sexiness of the industry, right? So like we, we did some work with a craft beer business that did phenomenal and the returns were, were solid, but they weren't through the roof. It was people were driven by their passion. They wanted to own a place where they could talk about beer all day long and try new beers and tell their friends they own a beer store. Um, the opposite of that might be a dry cleaner. There's nothing sexy about owning a dry cleaner, but the money's good. So the money's got to be even better if it's, you know, if it doesn't have that sort of cocktail party appeal to talk about, then people, there's buyers, but they just, they expect a better return. Makes sense. Go ahead, Dan. And, yeah, Dan here. Um, Andy, what would you say, you, you pointed out what makes someone a good potential franchisor. What would you say there's the one thing, if someone's listening and they're debating if they should franchise, is there, there one thing that you would say is a deterrent that they should not franchise their business? So the number one fear people have is giving up control. Tr trusting somebody else with your baby, right? Because that's, you know, they've a lot of times they've spent years developing this brand and honing this brand and building a following. So they have to decide if they're comfortable having their name on, on somebody else's business ultimately, because that franchisee is kind of a, you know, they're, they're setting up their own corporation and they're running, you know, essentially a branch of you from the customer's perspective, but, um, but they've got to run it well. Now, now the, the counterpoint to that though, is if your two choices are you can go open more units yourself you can hire a manager, you can hope that they're good, and you can hope that they stay, but they don't have any skin in the game, right? Whereas a franchisee, a lot of times these people are, you know, they're, they're mortgaging their house, they're putting their life savings on the line. They need it to work just as badly as you as the franchisor do. Uh, so, so that is the, the trade-off and the thing to think about. Um, obviously franchising is a lot less risky than opening more of your own corporate units because it is that franchisee too, that pays for everything. In fact, they pay you to get them up to speed versus you taking out loans, signing 10 year leases, personally guaranteeing stuff. So, so if you are a little bit risk averse, then franchising can make a lot more sense in that aspect as well. Right. Like I think about like in my business, our business, you know, it's, um, you know, there's only a certain size market. You're, you're there's really no reason to franchise when you've got you know a certain type of product or service or a certain way of growing but if i had a retail or brick and mortar location it makes sense even if you have the capital and capacity to scale now you're putting managers that don't have any skin in the game versus a true partner that's a business owner with you exactly and somebody that's in that local market and understands what's going on in that community you know better better than you could from you know from your home office absolutely so Andy, is there like, 
like you're talking to somebody, they're like, I want to franchise my business. Is there a thing like a, a specific quality or something about the business that you're automatically, that's like a no go. Nope. Shouldn't franchise off the table, <laughs> maybe scale through more corporate owned stores. Is there anything that immediately jumps out at you that they're just not right for the franchise model? Is, well, I guess a better way to phrase it would be what's the most common reason you're rejecting somebody from becoming a franchise, would you say? Yeah. And I will say, first of all, sort of just sort of FTC regulation wise, you can franchise anything. <laughs> right. I'm not saying you should, but the three of us can come up with an idea right now, put the documents together and go try to sell it. Nobody's <laughs> going to buy it, but we can do it. <laughs> um, so the, the, the main thing though, and that's probably the number one thing that comes to me is, we, is that we say no to is people that have an idea, but don't have an established profitable working prototype. Mm. Um, you can, but no one is going to buy it. Uh, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Or occasionally we, we get ones that are, um, they're failing with their own location and, and may come to us saying, thinking like, this is their Hail Mary. That's not going to work either. You do really, you know, for all intents and purposes, practically need a good, efficient working prototype. No doubt. I think a, a lot of it's interesting because you could be an expert in your field. Let's say you own a restaurant or you have some kind of home services business and you could absolutely kill it in that field. But I think a lot of the hardest, a lot of the hardest part of becoming a franchise is now learning an entirely new business because now you're not just, you're not in the home services industry. You don't just have some, you know, QSR brand. Now you have, you're, you're a franchise company and now you have to learn the franchise industry, speak that language. And now you have to learn how to support the franchisees, get them up and running. You're in the franchise business now. And I think a lot yes. of people, that's a tough transition to make. So what's your advice for, for anybody that franchises their business there? Yeah. So first thing, I'm, I, the book, The E-Myth, I'm, I'm a big fan of. It was one of the first things I read when I got into the industry. And I would say, even if you're thinking about franchising down the road, today, start figuring out how to work on your business and not in it. Um, where we get in trouble sometimes in the restaurant world, we get these people that cannot get out of their own kitchen that think nobody else can make that sauce. You know, I, somebody else can make that sauce. You're, you're not that special and you need to, to get over that a little bit. Um, I had, I, I decided on a thing that the, uh, the guys from United Franchise Group did a few years ago talking about the difference between an artist and an entrepreneur. Um, you can't be an artist and go franchise. You've got to you've got to break away and, and learn how to delegate and get get things done through other people. Man, I, yeah, I love it's, that. It's kind of like that saying, "I you know, you can go far, or go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." You know, you've got yeah. 100, a hundred, a two hundred, fifty, whatever your amount of franchisees you get into your system. You've got these people pushing you to do better, right? Because they're constantly telling you what you need to improve, what needs to be fixed. Yeah. And so not only are you getting their capital, but you're getting their, their input and feedback. That's right. You know, we, we some of the examples that we've heard is like the Big Mac and the Egg McMuffin were both ideas of franchisees. Uh, the $5 foot long at Subway, which, you know, was a hit for a long time. So you get you get more people thinking about you. They have the same problems as you or the same challenges. And they're just, you got more brains on it. So you know, you'd be crazy not to listen to those franchisees and, and see what can, can help the system as a whole. Yeah, it's the speed of innovation. Obviously, right. when you have a lot of collective minds coming together. You can go much further and, and faster, I think, 
but definitely much further when you have all that collective input because you're, you aren't the smartest person in the room. And if you are, you're probably in the wrong room. You're in the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. But no, that makes a ton of sense. And I love what you said about being an artist versus being an entrepreneur. I think so many people, if you're not ready to let go of your baby and you're, you're, you have it in your clutches, you're not ready to let it go, then maybe franchising isn't the right route because you do need to be able to delegate and like you said, Emith Revisit is such a, such a fantastic book. And uh, Michael Gerber, anyone that hasn't read that, you should definitely read that. But you do want to work on your business, not in. And I think that's a very difficult part for many entrepreneurs. And so if you are able to, to get to that point and you are able to work on the business, grow it, scale it, but you're not inundated with the day-to-day and the minutia, then I think that you, you might have something that's franchisable, it sounds like. Um, so one thing I'm curious about as well, Andy, is what sort of industries are I, or where would you say, what industries would you say most franchises or most businesses are franchising today? I mean, is it home services? Is it pets? Is it restaurants? I mean, what would you say most businesses are franchising today? Is there a clear front runner? Uh, so yeah, food is always the front runner. It's, I'm ballparking this, but I'd say it's probably 60% of the franchise industry. It's probably 60% of the work we do. It's just the, you know, so if you say franchise, the first thing that's going to pop in your mind is going to be McDonald's or Subway or somebody like that. Um, and, and sort of inside that post COVID or during COVID, we saw a real spike in comfort food, pizza and dessert. Like those two categories seem to really um, grow dramatically. But the other thing we've seen is more service-based industries as well people looking to, to grow that way. Like we're, we're working with a recruiting company right now that's got a, that does recruiting for manufacturing. And, you know, that obviously the labor shortage that we've seen all across the, I guess the world probably, but America for sure, has really spiked that business. And that's, that's really interesting. Or we're working with another one that um, they go out and cancel your timeshares for you. Like great business, great business model. Returns are great. I, they came to us. I, I hadn't thought of that as an opportunity in that a space to franchise in, but it makes total sense. They've got a great system that works and it's a lower startup cost, you know, there's been some of the, you know, the brick and mortar things that we see. So we're seeing some, some interesting stuff right now. It's so funny because you're absolutely right. A lot of people, I think a big misconception is when people think of franchising, they think food. Uh, sometimes you think fitness, but more often than not, yep. it's food, but there's a franchise concept. It seems for just about everything. And anytime there's a new category, there's going to be someone that tries to franchise that. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we've, we've seen it in, in sort of some medical things like chiropractor. We're seeing it now with the, uh, the IV drips and fluids and things that um, you see it in dental. Like anything that, you know, a business that doesn't necessarily have a good back of house system, that's where franchise or doesn't know how to market it. You know, that, that's where a franchise can really step in and make a difference. Absolutely. So one question I have is, so, so just going back to the process. So I just franchised my business. I work with the franchise development group. Andy, you're awesome. I love you. Now I got this thing up and running. I'm ready to sell the franchise. Now what? <laughs> what do I do? I would probably talk to IFTG as part of that, <laughs> as far as a great next step. Um, but uh, yes, so obviously you have to market it. And we do provide, provide sort of sales training to our clients as well. In particular, there's things you can say and there's things you can't say when you're offering a franchise. Um, if it's not in your disclosure, you can't really talk about it. You can't really 
go out and make promises about future earnings, things like that. So, so we work with them on what they can and can't say. We work with them on the, on the avenues that work to attract those potential buyers. Some of them are free or very close to free, you know, putting information in their locations, on their website, on LinkedIn, you know, in their social media, stuff like that. And then there's others that are commission-based or paid that, that work really well also. And we work with them to put together discovery day agendas and make sure they understand how to really take somebody through that entire sales funnel. Shameless plug, but you know we're we're doing. You know, Christian, I think you know we do some lead gen uh, at Nurture Assist. Uh, you know, working with Andy and his team uh, to find potential franchise owners and connect them with with the resources that they provide. Um, and you know, we've we've actually got a great little scenario that we've worked out where when any brand that you know we we generate and we work with to get them with with Andy and his team, they're able to then work with. IFPG and Nurture Assist and help get their franchise off the ground. So yeah, it's, that's a great, it, it's a great package. I mean, everything from some of the creative to the actual leads generation itself to, uh, yeah, I know you've done some stuff with Franchise Wire, which has been really cool too. So it's a, it's a great way to get off the ground quickly. And yeah, I've certainly become a fan of it. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, Christian, any follow-up question or additional questions you have? I actually did have one or two, one of them being, so obviously there's, there's a lot of FSOs out there, franchise development companies that they can work with that will help them to really sell franchises. And you look at a franchise fast lane or, or Repum group and all of mm -hmm. those. So how, how do, how does a brand know if they're ready for that? When are they ready for that? When should they say yes to that? When should they say no? What are some of the pros and cons and what is, what is some of your advice there? Yeah, so my first piece of advice is talk to everybody. I mean, those are some great organizations. I know some are better in some industries than others, and you know, some some may be a better fit. Um, you know, talk to everybody, learn as much as you can, go to franchise shows, attend seminars, webinars, just read books, just gather information first and foremost. But then the, the other thing we, we really do preach a lot is responsible growth. Don't don't go try to sell 50 your first year. There may be a couple acceptance to that, but let's sell three or four and do it right. Because those people become your validation that are going to get you to that 50 and 100 and beyond. You have to you have to build that base in that first year or two. And you know don't don't try to take on the world but uh, get a foundation in the beginning, I think is the most important thing. Makes sense, especially if it's a brick and mortar concept. You have to, you can't just sell the franchise. Well, you certainly can, but you, <laughs> but you shouldn't. You're right. But yeah. you shouldn't. You need to make sure that those brands, those those franchisees, can actually get up and running and open, and need to be able to support them. And so, you, it's very important to make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew. Exactly, and it is. It's intensive getting them up and running when you're taking them through everything from real estate to equipment to permits to training their staff and you know getting their marketing in order. So, it, it, like you said, it's just important to get them off on the right foot. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, Dan, anything else you want to add here? Any other questions you have? I, I asked my piece. I was very curious about that, and Andy, you you, you came through 100. percent No, it's fantastic, Andy. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, awesome. Thank you both. And uh, if anybody wants to check us out, it's franchisedevelopmentgroup.com. And uh, you know, love to talk to anybody that, that has any further questions. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want more information, obviously, you know, visit, uh, visit Andy, talk to him, uh, connect with him and uh, leave us uh, a, a review. 
share, subscribe, all of that stuff. Love and honest review. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks, guys.